Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone today. We're back with you in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We stopped in verse 11 and we're going to pick up in verse 12. I want us to read verses 12 and 13. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Messiah, is Christ. So the emphasis here is one body. Verse 13. For by one spirit we were all immersed, baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. The emphasis here, as we're going to move on talking about many members, that we can never lose sight that we're one body by the Spirit of God and that we're not many bodies, but we're one family, one body. We are the body of the Messiah, the body of Christ. And so when we, when we look at this and have an understanding, verse 13, for by one spirit we were all immersed into one body. This is very clear that as believers, what Paul is saying to Corinth, all of you are one body by the immersion that took place in the spirit of God. You were baptized by one spirit into one body. And there's a lot of theological systems out there that do not recognize that as believers in the Messiah, that we come to God by His Spirit and we are immersed in the Spirit of God into one body. And so this is very important that we understand this, that there cannot be a non-Spirit-filled believer because we have come to God by one Spirit baptized by that spirit into one body. And this is an emphasis that has to be so clear as you go through the Word of God. Some systematic theologies challenge that. They try to explain it in different ways. But Paul is very clear to the Corinthians about one body through the immersion of one spirit into this one body. And we're not two bodies. We're not a spirit-filled body and a non-spirit-filled body. We have come to God by His Spirit into one body. Yeah, and, I, and just looking back at this, what we talked about the last last few verses, you know, Paul, when he's talking about the giftings, he says same Spirit or same God over and over again, three or four times through those verses. And this is sort of a continuation. I mean, and for Paul to say that, I think it's five times, you know, same right. Spirit, same God. He's really mm-hmm. emphasizing that we are all are one, and he kind of puts a bow on it, you know, there in verse 13. Mm-hmm. One God, one Lord, one Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we are made to drink of one Spirit, the body of Christ. We're not separated into two, three, a thousand different bodies. Now, I know we have lots of different denominations. And some of that is for practical reasons, for accountability, slight disagreements from one group to another group. But I have always recognized that we're saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ. We have become a new creation in the Messiah 
through the Spirit of God within us. And Paul is emphasizing this. We're one body. And whether you're part of this denomination or another denomination and your systematic theology says this or that, never fail to recognize that we are one body through one spirit that we have been immersed into. So I think it's very clear, but it gets very complicated at at times as we have factions. And remember, the Corinthian church had factions going all the way back to chapter 1. Some said, I'm of Apollo. Some Mm -hmm. said, I'm of Paul. Some of Cephas. Some said, we're of Christ. Almost an arrogant understanding. We're of Christ, and we're better than all of you. That could have been the context. But Paul's bringing it back to reality of saying that Christ is the head in chapter 1. And he says, I thank God I did not baptize any of you except these individuals because it's not about me. And we need to all come into agreement under the authority of the Messiah under Christ and which we have come into one body through one spirit. And we're one. We're not five different groups. We're not a thousand different groups. We're one body through God's spirit that we have been immersed into that body. Mm-hmm. So this is clear. So we're going to move on from that and not spend an hour on it. And uh, so just take it for what it is saying. For the body is not one member, but many. So there's one body, but many members. Verse 15, if the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Let me stop in verse 18. And I'll say a few words and I'd like for you all to comment. When we look at the body, one body through God's Spirit, but we're many members, we should not be trying to all be the same. Mm. Everybody's trying to be like Billy Graham and the gifting that God gave to him as an evangelist. If we're all trying to be like that, the body is not going to be functioning in the right way. We need all the body, the members, functioning in the way that God desires and gifting the members in the way that God wants to gift them. Mm. And so this is very clear. And now earlier we mentioned nine spiritual gifts, but now we're going to look a little bit later at some more mention of more spiritual gifts, almost to the point that it's not an exhaustive list. But spiritual gifts in which God gives to the members for the edification of the body and the glorification of Christ. That's the context here. Any comments about that? You know, we we were talking about this earlier, but like you said, you know, we all want this, you know, the Billy Graham gift. Um, But, you know, Paul breaks it down. I love Paul. He's very practical and and pragmatic in this. And and we talk about the body of the Christ. He, He relates it to a body like we have. So, yeah, if you lose your big toe, you can't walk. 
and and that's you think that's a big you know that's not that important my big toe. You but, never think about how yeah. important your big toe is until it's gone. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and I think that's the thing, and, and especially in the Western church, we get this idea of if you're on TV or you have a big church or you have this great ministry, you're you're more important in the body than someone that goes to you know and ministers to the elderly that no one even knows about that no one will ever hear about. Um, in a newsletter or anything, but they're out there doing this day in and day out. They have just as an integral role in the body of Christ ministering to people that no one will ever see mm. as someone as a Billy right. Graham does. And that's just like like it says, that's who God desires to put there. But that doesn't mean they're better than someone that's that's mm. unseen. And, you know, Jesus talks about that, you know, the least shall be the greatest. And, mm. and I'm excited to see in heaven there's probably going to be people we never heard of ever in our life that, that did more for the gospel and more for the body of Christ that were just behind the scenes that God put there, that they never got recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you look at Paul's life and then the natural, you know, of course we know him now and, and, he, and he wrote a lot of the New Testament, but when he was alive, you know, unless you were a, a church that Paul was ministering to, you probably didn't know about him and probably wasn't well respected in a natural sense and I just think that's that's a testament to what God does and it's it's saying that the least are the greatest and you're all are important no matter what God has called you to do and I and I challenge anyone listening that's thinking about ministry or 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 really following God and wanting to do his will it could be something that may not seem quote-unquote, something that we would be successful, that would look successful in the natural. You might but not if, sell books. Yeah, you might not sell books. You might not be on TV. You may not have recognition in even in your own church, that your, your, your congregation that you're serving in, but you are just as important as that eye or that brain or that mouth or whatever it is we think is important. The, the big toe has just as integral role as all these other pieces. Amen. Now, I agree with everything that you all are saying, but I'm going to change the terminology a little bit. Jesus talks about that the greatest in his kingdom is a servant. And this is the idea that you're bringing out is a person being a servant, someone that maybe does not have a very recognizable gift from God that's out in the public eye, but they're serving. And he says the greatest in the kingdom is a servant, And if you want to be number one, you have to become a slave because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. So he sets the example of what it means, of what the kingdom is all about. And I think that principle you can see here in what Paul is saying. As Paul is looking at many members Sometimes we look at some of the giftings as not important, but God is saying that they are extremely important and you won't recognize how important they are until they're gone. Just like if you don't have a thumb, you don't have a toe, if you cannot hear. Not everybody is an ear, not everybody is an eye. We're many members, one body, but every member of the body is important to God and important for the edification of the body of Christ as well. When we look at this, it reminds me of a lady where my dad used to pastor. She had a gifting with kids. She loved kids. And she taught the same Bible class, the same age group, for 61 years. She came every week prepared. 
And this was in a day people were committed. I mean, they, this was their ministry. So they would pray, they would prepare, they would come and give their best. And when they went on vacation, they made sure they were back before their class on Sunday. Hmm. Those days are gone here in America. But they were servants. They had a gifting from God, from God for children. I believe it was one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that she had a way with children. And one time they had a reunion of everyone that went through her Sunday school class, her Bible mm-hmm. class. And I cannot remember the exact number, but I think it was around 47 of her past kids that she taught were in full-time ministry. So it was just absolutely incredible. Now, we would look at it and say, ah, there's just kids, you know, and she, but she saw it as her gifting from God to minister to those kids. She wasn't the pastor, but probably had as much impact upon that city and upon that body of believers than the pastors that came. One would come, one would go, one would stay a few years, another one would come. But she was there for 61 years serving God by serving those children. That's incredible. There's something interesting too that that speaks out to me. I was uh, a couple days ago, I was really kind of discouraged in my walk of faith. And I, I was listening to somebody, I was listening to somebody else talk about kind of their discouragement and then kind of God speaking to them and, and firing them up again. And it, and it poured into myself. And it was interesting because, you know, for a while I was praying, okay, God, can you encourage me? God, can you encourage me? And then I was encouraged by the faith of another. And this kind of passage is kind of, I think, also highlighting that point that, you know, that's part of God. That's, that's God's plan. That's plan A. Plan A is for not necessarily you to have all of the inspiration and all the resources you need but for you to receive that through the body, for us to receive that through each other. Yeah. And the giftings in which God gives. And yeah. Yes, and look at verse 18 and compare it to verse 11. I'm going to read verse 11. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are distributed according to the will of God. Now let's read verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. So you get the same concept. The giftings and the members in which the giftings that God is giving is according to his will, is according to his desire. So the gifts completely are distributed according to his will. The members are to function in with these giftings by the desire of God. And that's mm-hmm. a consistent principle that's going through. Now let's look at verse 19. If they were all one member, where would the body be? If we were all Billy Grahams, where would the body be? If we were all Yonis, where would we be? All Scots, where would we be? If we're all trying to be the same member then the body is not going to function in the right way. Verse 20, but now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. So I cannot say to Alan, we really, your gifting is not important. We really don't need you. You're disposable. This is not a corporation. Corporations do that. They say, okay, let's look at who's not important. Let's get rid of them. In the body of the Messiah, we should recognize the giftings that they're all important. 
And I'm talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed to the members. Verse 20, but now there are many members but one body. Again, verse 21, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Mm -hmm. There's a necessity to them. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, that we do, not God, but as we look at it and say, ah, that's not that important. On these we bestow more abundant honor. We should see the lady that taught a little kid's Bible study for 61 years, and we should see how precious that is to God Hmm. and to the body. And our less presentable members become much more presentable when we see it through God's eyes. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. So God is trying to bring up those that we see as not that important and put it in the right context. Scott, just a quick question for you. So in that verse 24 where he says, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, when he's saying lacked, does that mean honor in the natural of, the, of us giving that, that honor, not God? So is that a, is that a safe way to I, I do. That? I think it's God speaking through Paul to the Corinthians to see that these giftings are important to the body. And we may not think that they're important, but giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked honor. And so to see it and to recognize the gift of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit upon that individual, their gifting and see the importance of it mm. and honoring it. To so, uh, so kind of look at it with God's eyes. Yes. An encouragement to look at it with God's eyes. Yes. I, I don't necessarily think that it means we have to bring them in front of the the body and just lavish on them all the praise for everything that they're doing. Because remember, we're doing this for God's glory, but it's a recognition how important that person is to the body of Christ. So it's a really good question there. You know, that really speaks to me personally. I was mentioning this earlier, but throughout my life, I've kind of walked in various ones of these giftings at at different times. But I know some people, a good, good friend of mine, who's never walked in any of these visibly tangible outpourings of the spirit you know that look like oh wow this looks miraculous but let's say it in this way the the nine spiritual gifts that were mentioned at the beginning oh correct correct because we don't want to box in the spiritual giftings yeah but in spite of that his walk with god the way that he's loved people the sacrifices he's made in his life are inspiring they inspire me it's such he's so much further along in loving people in a pure way and doing whatever it takes to show the love of God, even if it's at incredible cost to himself. And, and so it's interesting because in, in this case, it just makes it clear to me, you know, it's like God bestows honor on him, even though man bestows honor on the man who has prophecy, on the man who does healings. On the, you know, we're like, oh, that's so holy. But God says, no, 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 this is holy to me. Yes, because that individual... What confirms who we are is the fruit of the Spirit, Mm. not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so when you look at your friend's life, you're seeing the love of God in his heart that's demonstrated on a daily basis to who he's ministering to. 
And that's what we're going to get to in chapter 13 that's so powerful Mm -hmm. of pursuing love. And also in verse 25 here, as you look at this, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. There shouldn't be any partiality that these guys are important, these individuals are important, but these individuals are not important. Mm -hmm. That will divide the body. Not that we're seeking approval, but we should recognize how every member of the body is important to God and for the edification of the body of Christ. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. So you're part of a congregation which is part of the body. Someone is really suffering in the body. We must take upon ourselves the understanding that this is our family, this is our body that is suffering. If you got hit with a hammer in your toe, the whole body suffers. And this is what Paul is saying. As they suffer, we all suffer. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. When we get to the, one of the characteristics of love, love is not jealous. When a member of the body is honored, there are sometimes some people operating in the flesh, well, why did they get honored and I did not get honored? And I remember uh, being in a church, a local body of believers ministering, And anytime this one individual did not get honored, everybody would know about it and it would be chaos because this person did not get the proper recognition that she thought that she should get for the work that she was doing. It's kind of like a misplacement of the whole purpose of what she's doing. Yes. (laughs) It's not about servanthood, but it is about self-centeredness. When one person gets honored, we all rejoice. But some people look at that in the flesh and say, they got honored, but what about me? I did this, but they, and it becomes divisive Mm -hmm. in the body. I always take the mentality, if someone gets honored, praise God for that. The whole body is being uplifted. It's not about me, it's about the Lord. And this person is doing a great job for God's glory and somebody recognizes it, so let's all rejoice. Yeah, and I was thinking the counter of that about the suffering too. We, we'll see that in the in the church where a pastor, a minister, or somebody in the body is kind of struggling. We're like, wow, glad that's not me. Mm-hmm. Glad, I'm, glad I'm living right. <laughs> you know, and you kind of, that that's the first thing that goes in your what, mind. What's going on? What sin is in their life? Yeah. They lack faith. That's Sometimes what you jump that to. comes out. That's what you jump mm-hmm. to. And it's not, Scott's struggling and this is happening and we need to suffer with them and, mm-hmm. and we need to, you know, have more empathy um, in a lot of ways. And I think that can get lost when you see yeah, you, you never know what, what God's doing in someone's right. life or, or what they're doing and, and to quickly judge and say, well, they must be living wrong or there's some sin that, that caused this. And that's a quick thing the body can, mm-hmm. body, members of the body can jump mm-hmm. to when they see someone suffering or struggling, um, which is uh, something you know I have to check in my life to say, when you see that, don't immediately jump to judging and, and having a wrong spirit about it and saying, hey, let's go through this with them. Let's be there with them because... It says if, the, if one member suffers, the body mm-hmm. suffers. If you, if you, you know, if you ever had a bad earache, 
It's one of the Your worst things I could. You, for me, the one of the worst pains you can have is an earache or yeah. a toothache, right. and that's a little thing. And the whole body is I, you can't function mm-hmm. if it's a bad one. So, in a similar mm-hmm. sense, maybe one of these, you know, maybe the pastor's not struggling. Maybe it's the the person that cleans the the grounds. We should all kind of be mm-hmm. affected by that and suffer yes. with them and try right. to support that person and try to uplift them, bring them to a point that they come out of that, whatever the context is. And so, yes, I agree with that fully. And it feels extremely contextual, too, because it's like maybe, you know, maybe Scott's the hand, you know, and he's out there doing things. And, and then he, he, something happens, and you're like, you know, Scott maybe is doing something, you know, he shouldn't be doing or something, and you think, does he not see this? But Scott's the hand. He's not the eye. He maybe just needs an eye to come around and say, hey, look at this. You know, and just to think that's kind of part of the whole plan for all of us mm-hmm. to be working together and collaborating. And that's how the body functions, to protect its members. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a really good understanding of that. And it doesn't always practically live out within the body of the Messiah, but as we are operating in God's Spirit, this is the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. And we're always striving to not respond to things, not understand things by the world's understanding, but by God's understanding. And so this is what we're striving to be like here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And remember, Corinthians is about progressive sanctification. Babes that should have grown up, they should be eating meat, but they're still drinking milk. So yes, we are a new creation by God's Spirit, However, there's a process of maturing in the things of God, and this is why he's writing this letter, because there's a lot of immaturity within the Corinthian church. Verse 27, Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church, in the ecclesia, in Hebrew, the keilah, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Now he mentions some of the ones he mentioned earlier in the list of nine that we went over, but now he expands on that, even brings into uh, the list some of the things that we're going to see later on in Ephesus in the letter he writes to the Ephesians which is going to come five to eight years later. Here you see apostles, prophets, and teachers. In the letter to the Ephesians, he's going to say apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. But then he even talks about helps, administrations. And what we said before is I don't believe that this is an exhaustive list. I believe that something that glorifies God and it edifies the body of the Messiah, and it comes from God to the member, distributed according to God's will, His desire, if it's accomplishing that, that can be a spiritual gift. Mm -hmm. Because you look in Romans 12, and he adds more things to the list. So you get this understanding, you have the nine, then you're looking at some other things he's talking about, but helps and administrations is in the context of a spiritual gift that comes from God to the members. So what I always say, if it glorifies God, 
uplifts the name of Jesus, it edifies the body, it strengthens their faith, it makes their faith stronger, it helps them to keep their eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. This, to me, can be in the context of a spiritual gift. And, and mm-hmm. Scott, maybe you could help clear, clear this up for me. Um, you know, it, it looks like Paul, you know, there where he talks about first, second, third. What in contextually is, is he referring to? How could we interpret that when he says first apostle? So is that the first in the line of what great gifting to have or, or ministry to have? You know, how, what is he saying there when he's numbering them out? Um, is that of any importance in it, this verse? To me, it could be, but I have a tendency to look at it as what comes first in laying the foundation. Yeah, and so the foundation sense, yeah. is built upon the apostles and the prophets mm-hmm. with the Messiah being the chief cornerstone. He's the head. And then if you go to Ephesians, which he's going to expand on that list later on, um, about gifts he gives to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists. He brings in this gifting of evangelists. And then pastor, teacher, and some translate it pastor and teacher. So I see it as a progression. It's the apostles that laid the foundation of uh, planting the church. It's the prophets that give direction to the body of Christ. It's the evangelists that equip the body of Christ to do the evangelism uh, that needs to be done. It is the uh, shepherd teacher that's the one that really is responsible for the discipleship and watching over the local body of believers. All of these gifts are given to the body for the equipping of the saints for works of service. So I see it more in a progression of how they function. Uh, First come the apostles, then the prophets, then the evangelists in Ephesians, then the pastor teacher. So almost like the chronology of the way God appointed them. That's the right word that I said a lot if I would have just said chronology. Yes, (laughs) chronology of ministry that happens. That makes sense, yeah. Mm. But I'm not saying that as a definite. Yeah. But that's how I would see that. And and so, yeah, we'll we'll get there in a second, but when he's saying earnestly desire the greater gift, so if you desire, you know, to be an apostle, you're, you're laying a foundation you know, of the gospel and reaching mm-hmm. and then building and establishing so more people can go out and minister and more souls can be saved, more edifying of the body. So that's great right. to desire that gift because that's, uh, yeah, like you said, that comes from the cornerstone of mm-hmm. Christ and starts to build a foundation mm-hmm. wherever, you know, if you're overseas or you're in a, a country that has never heard of the gospel, you're laying that foundation. Yes. So that's a greater gift in that sense where mm-hmm. it's establishing you know, right. And it says desire the greater gifts. And we're going to get to that, not to pursue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Our pursuit is going to be for love. And so I'm glad you brought that up because um, let's read the verse before that, verses 29 and 30. He says, all are not apostles, are they? The natural reaction to that, the logical answer is no. Not everybody in the body is an apostle. You see, it's sort of a rhetorical question Paul's yeah. asking, right? Yes. All are not prophets, are they? No. All are not teachers, are they? And my response are, is no. In fact, when you look at Jacob, there's a stricter judgment for those who teach. There should be a 
real understanding of God's calling and responsibility to God for the things that we teach. So not all are teachers, and I can say amen to that because I've seen people that try <laughs> to teach the Word of God, and I don't even know what they're talking about <laughs> because they're so all over the place. But not are all teachers, are they? No. All are not workers of miracles, are they? The natural response, no. All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? No. All do not interpret, do they? So Paul is listing these things with the natural response, no, because we're many members and we don't all have the same gifting. And speaking in tongues here is in, with tongues, is in the context of a spiritual gift and not all speak with tongues. But remember earlier in verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. And so some people teach that unless you speak in tongues, you're not filled with the spirit. But not all speak in tongues, speak with tongues. Yet we were all baptized into one body by one spirit. That kind of destroys that whole conclusion of theology that says if you don't speak in tongues, you're not baptized, filled with God's Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to point that out. Now getting to that verse 31, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. We don't all have these giftings. Not all of us speak with tongues, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. What is that actually speaking of? It could be the list that was just mentioned. It could go back to the original nine that he talked about, that he expands upon. It could be prophecy in chapter 14 because it really edifies the body not speaking with tongues unless it's interpreted. So there's many ways in which you can look at this. We're not to pursue the greater gifts, but we are to desire the greater gifts because of what that means for the body. Mm-hmm. Kind of like consistent with all of this, it's, uh, it's about the unity, how we can be with, like help each other out, be there for each mm-hmm. other. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Now think of that statement, and we're gonna close here, and then we're gonna go into 1 Corinthians 13 earnestly desire the greater gifts and I show you still a more excellent way. So we desire the greater gifts but we're going to pursue the love of God. That's what we pursue. Go to chapter 14 verse 1. Pursue love yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. There's there's something I got to mention here because I just think it's amazing. The focus of these chapters that we've been re- this chapter we've been reading has been you know talking about the giftings of the spirit, but how we have to focus on the central part of love. You know, like let's let's get away from just thinking about how cool this might be, and let's think about the body and all these things. But I, I almost feel like we need to almost mention it. How amazing is it that the body of Christ has supernatural giftings? Yes. I mean, it's easy to gloss over that because it's kind of seems commonplace. But it's, it's incredible, you know, and the world kind of idolizes that. You've got, like, Harry Potter and all these magical concepts that happen in all these different movies. And the world is, like, they think about that. And it's, it's clear, you know, like, man wants to build that up in themselves. You know, everybody wants to have these cool things. But it's so amazing, and I just think it's just worth mentioning yes. that our body has 
you know, heavenly giftings, things yeah. that we can't even explain as well. Yes. And, and even uh, groups that don't believe in the spiritual gifts that they are for today, if you look at it contextually here, they're gifted by God's Spirit. Mm-hmm. You see, they have gifts of the Holy Spirit they, they may not even recognize. Yeah. So we were born of the Spirit. We were baptized by the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit that confirms who we are. It's a natural thing to understand that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be given to a Spirit-filled church. Mm. And so whether you believe in the spiritual gifts or not, we are many members, and God distributes them according to their will, His will, even if there's a church that doesn't even believe in the spiritual gifts (laughs) because it's not an exhaustive uh, list here. No, I think, yeah, to Yoni's point i think that's amazing too and in our human nature we're drawn to things we can't understand and like you mentioned with all these best-selling books that are you know magic and fantasy and the world and and even you know in in uh you know christian culture some of that you know c.s lewis and things like that we're attracted to that yeah and you look at at jesus's ministry it was it was a supernatural miraculous ministry paul's was the apostles were and that's something that yeah and it's and it's yeah, we, we kind of can take that for granted sometimes yeah. and say that God, as he wills, you know, does distribute these things and does put these forth. And, and I'm sure Scott has a lot of great stories in India. I've heard a few where, you know, a, a miracle will happen in a village and the entire village <laughs> turns to yes. know um, Jesus because yeah. of that, because they've seen this person was, you know, from a child, you know, didn't have an arm, couldn't see, and then they're healed through the power of Jesus Christ, through yeah. gifting and the entire village, you know, comes to believe on Jesus as their Savior. So, yeah, it's powerful that, that God chooses to operate that way. And he's a, he's a God of the supernatural. He's a God of the miraculous. And, yes. Yeah. And, and the greatest. Wonderful. And, and don't ever, we can never lose sight that the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation, a change of a person yeah. from the inside out. Yeah. And it, so we start as a miracle. Why would we not believe in the miracles of God through God's Spirit? Mm. And so let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit given to the body, one body, many members, distributed according to your will and your desire. And God, whatever you have for us, Lord, uh, we desire that. And help us, Lord to pursue love, not the love of the world, but your love that defines who you are. God, let that live within our hearts. And as we come into 1 Corinthians 13, God, let us understand your love in such a wonderful, fresh way through the power of your spirit, we pray. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at integrity global missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.